Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning. What a beautiful day we've been given by God to be able to come together in this place. And I've enjoyed our time together so far today. I've enjoyed the singing and the giving and the prayers. And now we transition and we engage together in a study from the word of God. I want to ask you to go into your Bible to what I hope is familiar territory, territory for you by now. It's Acts chapter 22. Will you go in your Bible with me this morning to Acts the 22nd chapter? And I want to read a few verses from Acts chapter 22. And I want to start with verse number 22. And Acts 22 and in verse number 22, the scripture says this. It says they listened to him. The they there is referring to some Jews. They're listening to the apostle Paul. And they listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. As they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging, so they may find out the reason why they were shouting against him in that way. How, how did this happen? How did this happen? Sometimes events in life force us to ask that question, right? For example, whenever I walk into my kitchen on Sunday evening or any day of the week, really, and I see Cheerios and Oreos and empty Lunchable containers and Takis all over the floor, I want to know how did this happen? Whenever I go into a restaurant and the one thing I like to order from the menu is no longer on here. I want to know how did this happen whenever I was driving across the valley a few months ago and I noticed gas prices being about five dollars a gallon. I wanted to know how did this happen. And when I read this chapter right here, when I read Acts chapter 22, when I read about some people being angry with Paul and violent towards Paul and wanting to kill Paul, I want to know how did this happen? How did Paul find himself in this situation? How did Paul find himself in this in this predicament? What did he do to find himself on the receiving end of the wrath of an angry mob of Jewish people? I think those are some good questions for us to, to consider this morning as we as we look at this text. In fact, if you don't mind, I want to just kind of quickly review where we currently are in our weekly Bible reading. For those of you who are part of this church, the Monta Vista Church of Christ, believe it or not, but we are nearing the end of our immersion reading in the book of Acts. We're actually at a point to where we're in the final chapters of Acts. We recently concluded Acts chapter 22 this past week, and our journey through Acts has been really, really incredible, right? It has been an incredible, incredible journey. I don't know about you, but for me, it has been incredible watching the church grow from just a ragtag group of disciples in the city of Jerusalem to a great spiritual kingdom full of God's people across the globe. In fact, one of the key people that God has used to accomplish the purpose of growing his kingdom is this guy right here. It's Paul. 
It is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is one of the main characters in the book of Acts. In fact, if you remember, once we got to Acts chapter 13, the rest of Acts is really about Paul. Remember, once we got to Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work of taking the gospel to places like Cyprus. And then they made their way to Perga and Pisidian Antioch and Lystra and Iconium and Derbe. All of these places are far away from Jerusalem and Samaria. And then a few years later, the Apostle Paul will be commissioned by God to take the gospel into Europe for the first time. God is going to lead Paul into Macedonian cities like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Athens. And then he's going to make his way into Corinth that's located in Achaia. And then eventually he's going to find himself in the very prominent city of Ephesus. In fact, if you remember back in Acts chapter 19, once the apostle Paul arrived in Ephesus, he would actually spend three years in Ephesus. He would spend three years in his very prominent city in the Roman Empire, and he would preach the gospel to all the people in Asia, and then he would be forced out of the city due to a riot, and then eventually he would travel back to Jerusalem down, down here with a contribution for the needy saints there that was collected by predominantly Gentile congregations. In fact, upon arriving in Jerusalem, with this contribution for the needy saints, if you remember from Acts chapter 21, while participating in a cultural aspect of the law, Paul was falsely accused of something, right? Remember, Paul was falsely accused of something. Verse 29 of Acts 21 says that he was falsely accused of bringing one of his Gentile buddies into a restricted area of the temple. This caused all kinds of chaos and confusion in Jerusalem, so much so that the Roman authorities got involved. The Roman authorities actually saved Paul's life. They actually saved him from this angry mob, and they wanted to know what in the world's going on. What in the world's going on with these Jews? Who is this guy? Who is this guy that they're so mad at? What did he do to make them want to kill him? The Roman authorities are confused by all this chaos going on among the Jews. And so at the end of chapter 21, the Apostle Paul will identify himself to the Roman authorities. And then he's going to request permission to be allowed to speak to this hostile crowd. And so notice what Paul says to the crowd. In Acts chapter 22, let's read together some Bible this morning. And we look at verse number 1. In Acts 22 and verse number 1, after Paul is granted permission to speak to the crowd, this predominantly Jewish crowd, the scripture says that he said, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew, in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. So notice how Paul is speaking in Hebrew now. So that means the Romans can't understand anything that he is saying. He's speaking in the language of the Jews. The Jews understand what he's saying. The Romans don't understand what Paul is saying. 
He speaks in the Hebrew dialect and they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all know today. He says, I persecuted this way to death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. In verse number six, he says, but it happened that as I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you're persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. In verse number 10, Paul said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said, Get up. And go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. And he said, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Verse 17, it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. A few important observations a few important observations that we need to appreciate from this text. Notice, notice how in this text, as the Apostle Paul, as the Apostle Paul begins this great speech to the Jews, he begins by giving his resume. He gives his resume. He gives his resume as a Jew. He says that beyond being a Jew from the city of Tarsus and one who had been brought up in the city of Jerusalem, he had also been educated by a well-known, a well-respected rabbi named Gamaliel. Now, this is the same Gamaliel who was part of the Sanhedrin Council that we can read about in Acts chapter 5. Paul says that he was a student of Gamaliel, and he also says that he was zealous for God and for the law of God. In fact, he says he was so zealous about the law of God that he persecuted Christians. He arrested Christians. He drug Christians out of their homes and he put them in prison and he even consented to their death. He cheered them on when they killed Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Paul here says he persecuted Christians, but once he saw and heard Jesus on the Damascus road, he says he realized he was wrong. 
He says he realized that Jesus was the resurrected and prophesied Messiah, and he needed to devote his life to preaching his message. In fact, after a disciple named Ananias came to the apostle Paul and preached to Paul and baptized Paul for the remission of his sins, that's exactly what Paul says he did. He preached, and he teached, and he spread the gospel to all people, including the Gentiles. Paul says that he took the gospel beyond Jerusalem and Samaria to people who had never heard it before. Now, that's essentially the speech that Paul gives on this occasion. And the scripture tells us that these people didn't like it. They didn't like what Paul had to say. They didn't receive his message well. They actually got angrier with Paul and they wanted to kill him. They did not want to hear the things he had to say on this occasion. And the question is, why? Why did they get so mad? Why could they not be persuaded? What barriers of persuasion were present among these people on this occasion? Well, I submit that when you look at this crowd very carefully and look at this text very carefully, there were at least three barriers, at least three barriers of persuasion. And the first barrier of persuasion was hard hearts. Hard hearts. These people have hard hearts. We see this before Paul even opened his mouth. Before Paul even began to, to give this speech, these people were already determined to reject his message. They were already determined to reject anything he had to say. They had their minds made up already. They already had negative impressions. They already were, con were convinced that he was a troublemaker and he was someone who deserved to die. That is exactly why some of them were so quick to assume that he brought a Gentile into the temple. That is why some of them were so quick to believe a lie. These Jews already had their minds made up about the Apostle Paul and they didn't want to hear anything he had to say. And Jesus told him it was going to be this way. Look back at verse 17 again in Acts 22. Not long after Paul was converted, not long after he became a Christian in Damascus, he says that he returned to Jerusalem some, some short time after that. And in verse 17, he says, It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. I fell into a trance and I saw him. I saw Jesus saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they, the Jews. What did Jesus say? They will not accept your testimony about me. Jesus told Paul, the people in Jerusalem are not going to listen to you. They got hard hearts. They're not going to believe anything you have to say. The people that Paul is speaking to on this occasion are very similar to the same people that Stephen preached to in Acts chapter 7. Remember that? Remember, with Stephen in Acts 7, he went through the same things Paul's going through here. People lied about him. They accused him of doing things he didn't do. And they hardened their hearts to his message. And they gnashed their teeth at him. And they even wanted to kill him, and they did kill him. These people that Paul is speaking to here 
are very similar to the people that Stephen spoke to in Acts chapter 7. And let me ask you something. Do we not also encounter people who have a similar attitude today? Do we also not even in 2022 also encounter people who are hard hearted? They don't want to believe. They, and, and it's nothing we're going to say that's going to make them believe. They don't believe and they don't want to believe. They don't want to listen. They don't want to consider. They don't want to give any attention to anything we're trying to tell them from the Bible, because guess what? Their minds are already made up. Their minds are already made up about God. Their minds are already made up that God is not real and he has no authority over them. Anything we try to tell them otherwise, it's not going to convince them. It's not going to make them change their mind. Their minds are already made up about there's not a God. And their minds are already made up about Jesus. Their minds are already made up that Jesus was just a man or just a rabbi or a teacher, or maybe he didn't even exist. Their minds are already made up about Jesus of Nazareth and their minds are already made up about the Bible. Their minds are already made up that the Bible is just a book of fables and legends and myths. And it really didn't come from God. It's really not true. It really shouldn't serve as the standard of morality for our lives. In fact, the vast majority of people who follow the Bible and believe the Bible, they're a bunch of hypocrites. All the people in the church, they're a bunch of hypocrites. The preacher, he's a hypocrite. Everybody who claims to be a Christian they are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. You see, even today, even today, we encounter people like Paul encountered. Even today, we encounter people who have hard hearts. They're negative. They have bad attitudes towards the gospel. They've told themselves lies about Christianity, and they are determined to believe those lies. Nothing we present to them, no evidence we give them is going to convince them to change because they don't want to change. They don't want to change their lives. One of the barriers of persuasion on this occasion in Acts 22 are hard hearts. These people have hard hearts, but let's take that another, another step by saying that in addition to having hard hearts, these people also have no desire to reason. They have no desire to reason, to reason at all. And I'm going to tell you something. When you look at this very carefully, this is the part that really shocked Paul the most. Did you notice that? Paul is shocked by this. He is shocked that these people don't want to reason. Going back to the text in verse number 19 in verses 19 and 20. Notice how while Paul talks about a time when he went to Jerusalem and he was praying in the temple and he was warned by Jesus that that many of the Jews were not going to listen to what he had to say. Paul says he told Jesus that he was shocked. He was shocked by that. He's stunned by that. He is surprised by the Lord's prediction here because he felt his testimony was so convincing. He felt his testimony was, was so persuasive. I mean, how could they not believe what he had to say? How could they not believe his testimony when they knew him? They knew his background. 
They knew his zeal as a Jew. They knew he persecuted Christians. They know he beat Christians, imprisoned Christians, approved of the death of Christians. He even watched over the coats of those who stoned Stephen. These people knew who Paul used to be and what he was all about. But now he says, I'm a Christian. Now I follow Jesus. Now I've experienced a radical transformation. I am a promoter of the very person who I at one time opposed. Now I am preaching the gospel. I'm not standing in the way of the gospel. That had to be compelling evidence, right? There had to be compelling evidence that Jesus was raised from the dead. And you Jews need to follow him in your life. Paul is shocked. That the Lord is predicting that the Jews will not be persuaded by his testimony. He is shocked at Jesus predicting that the Jews will not be able to be reasoned with. But that's the way it goes sometimes, right? That's the way it goes. You see, as Christians, even today, sometimes we encounter unreasonable people. Sometimes we encounter people who no matter how much evidence we give them, no matter how many Bible verses we give them, no matter how long we sit with them and try to show them scripture, they're not going to believe. They're not going to believe in the existence of God, no matter if you bring Buddy Payne here or whoever else here who can show you science, show them scientific evidence, they're not going to believe. They're not going to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They're not going to believe in the Bible. They're not going to believe in the necessity of baptism. They're not going to believe that there's just one church promoted in the scripture. No matter what we show them or how often we show them or how long we show them, they're not going to be convinced. They're not going to be reasoned with. Their minds are already made up and they're not going to think reasonably and they're not going to think rationally. That's the kind of people Paul is dealing with here. These people have hard hearts and they lack reason. But let's add to this the fact that under, under all of this is pride. Do you see it? It's pride. Let me ask you something. What was the main problem these people had with Paul's speech? What is the main issue they have with all the stuff Paul said on this occasion? Was it the stuff he said about his background? Was it the stuff he said about being from Tarsus and, and a student of Gamaliel? Was it the stuff he said about being a persecutor of the church? Or maybe even the fact that he's a follower of Jesus now. Is that the main problem they had with Paul's speech? I submit it wasn't. None of that stuff is the main issue they had with Paul's speech. The main issue is found in verse number 21. After Paul talked about how he consented to the death of Stephen, but now he's preaching. In verse number 21, he talks more about his preaching. He said, Jesus told him, go, for I will send you far away to who? To the Gentiles. Verse 22, they listened to him up to that statement. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust up into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks. There's your problem. 
There's your problem. There's the main problem. It wasn't until Paul mentioned Gentile salvation that these people went nuts. It wasn't until he mentioned that God wants to save the Gentiles that these people went ballistic and they went crazy. That was when they said, we've had enough. We've heard enough from this guy. He deserves to die. He is saying something that is not true and it cannot be true. There's no way that God would ever accept the Gentiles on the same terms as us. These people did not like the fact that Paul talked about Gentile salvation. They did not like the fact that Paul went among the Gentiles and preached to the Gentiles. They failed to even consider the possibility that they were wrong in their understanding of this matter. They were wrong in what they believed about Gentile salvation. They had overlooked the countless passages in the Old Testament that predicted a day when God would accept the Gentiles and they could become part of his family. In fact, maybe the reason why they failed to see all those passages in the Old Testament that talk about Gentile salvation was because they didn't want to see them. They didn't want to see those passages. They intentionally overlooked those passages and disregarded those passages like a lot of people do today. Even a lot of Christians, they approach the Bible and Bible study with preconceived ideas and notions and prejudices. And they were unwilling to ever reexamine their beliefs. What I just want you to see is these people won't be persuaded. They won't be persuaded because their hearts are too hard. They're unreasonable and they're full of pride. And so we got to ask one more question this morning now. And that's the question is, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from a chapter like Acts chapter 22? What are some practical lessons that we can take away from this that will help us as we work the field of the loss today. Well, I'm going to give you three lessons real quick, real quick, and then we're going to be done. One lesson I think we learned from a chapter like this, Acts 22, is number one, from this we see evangelism's not easy. Evangelism's not easy. Spreading the gospel's not easy. It wasn't easy in the time of the Apostle Paul, and it's certainly not going to be easy in our time today. Evangelism has never been easy for the people of God because guess what? Most people don't want to serve God. Most people don't want to serve Jesus. They don't want to follow the Bible. They don't want to listen to the truth of the Bible because listening to the Bible and following the Bible requires a change of lifestyle. It requires reforming your life to the will of God. And Jesus talked about this. Remember in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says there is a path that leads to eternal life. And that path is narrow. That's a narrow path. And only a few find that path. But the way, the path to destruction, the way to eternal destruction away from the presence of God is broad. That's a wide path. And Jesus says there are many who enter onto that path. There the Lord is telling us there are going to be more people lost and saved. There are going to be more people 
who are not receptive than there are who are receptive. There are going to be more people who don't obey God than those who do obey God. Jesus is telling us this. He's giving us a reality about life in those verses. And you know what that means? Evangelism is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for us today, just like it wasn't easy for Paul. In fact, if we ever find ourselves whining and moping and complaining about the fact that so many people don't want to obey God, you know what we need to do? We need to go back and read Acts again. We need to read Acts again and again and again. We especially need to read this chapter, Acts 22, again. We need to thank God that while most people will not listen to what we have to say from the gospel we're not having to go through yet what Paul went through here. We're not having to go through yet what the Christians went through in the book of Acts. I mean, the last time I checked, nobody here in this church has ever been beaten trying to spread the gospel. Nobody in this church has ever been arrested for trying to spread the gospel or forced out of their homes because they tried to spread the gospel or stoned like Paul was in Acts 14 because they tried to spread the gospel. We learn from this chapter that evangelism is not easy, but then a second lesson we learn is we need to know when it's time to move on. And this can be hard for us at times. We can be stubborn when it comes to this. But the Bible says we need to know when it's time to move on. We need to know when we're wasting time with people who have hard hearts. And if you don't believe me when I say that, at least believe the Lord. Because the Lord said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this in Matthew 7 and verse number 6, do not give what is holy. What, that which is holy is the word of God there. Do not give which is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. What is Jesus saying there? Whether Jesus is saying use good judgment when doing evangelism. Use good judgment when trying to spread the gospel. Know when you're when you're dealing with dogs and pigs and people who are unreasonable. Don't waste your time trying to force people to obey the gospel. You can't force people to obey the gospel. You can't force people to serve God. If you try to make people do something they don't want to do. Jesus says that's foolish. That's foolish. That's a waste of precious time it's going to bring about unnecessary problems and conflicts in your life Paul's having to learn this the hard way in Acts 22 evangelism is not easy and we got to use some judgment when doing evangelism we got to recognize when it's time to move on and people are not going to listen to what we have to say and then third and finally never take rejection personal Never take rejection personal. This is something that I had to learn the hard way in my life. Let me ask you something. Who are these people in Acts 22 ultimately rejecting? I mean, are they ultimately rejecting Paul or Jesus? Are they ultimately rejecting a message invented by Paul or a message that comes from Jesus? Well, you and I both know the answer to that question. The answer is the latter. You and I both know that while Paul was on the receiving end of some bad treatment from these Jews, what is really going on here is the Lord is being rejected. 
the Lord is being despised. The Lord's plan of salvation is not being received by these people. These people are rejecting Jesus. They are not rejecting Paul. And we would be wise to remember that today. As we try to spread the gospel and our little part of the world, we would always be wise to remember that if the people who we're sharing the gospel with, if our family members, our friends, our co-workers, our unbelieving spouse, our prodigal children or, or grandchildren, if they reject that message, they're not really rejecting us. Instead, they're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting his gospel. They have closed their hearts to the truth, but we've done our job, which is what? It's plant seed. It's to plant the seed. What I just want you to see is this is an ugly scene here. This is an ugly scene here in Acts chapter 22. Ugly, ugly scene, but thank God, and I can't believe I'm saying this, thank God for the Romans. Thank God the Romans are there. Thank God that the Romans are actually going to save Paul's life. Now, he's going to save their lives later on a boat, but they're saving his life right now. They're removing him from this violent mob, these violent people who are rejecting the truth. The question is, what are you going to do with the truth? What are you going to do with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you do like these people that Paul is talking to on this occasion? If you're not a Christian, will you reject the truth and close your heart to the truth and be full of pride? Or will you do like Paul did and submit to it? Repent, humble yourself before God and arise and be baptized like he was calling on his name. If there's someone here this morning who's yet to obey the gospel or who knows you haven't been a really good Christian, if there's someone here who needs to respond to the word of God in the right way by humbling yourself and submitting. Come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.